0: Hello, I'm Sven Ostring. Welcome to Let God Speak. We've been told that it would be good for us to spend a thoughtful hour each day contemplating the life of Christ. In particular, we should dwell on the closing scenes. When you stop to consider the tremendous sacrifice that Jesus made, it will melt your heart and lead you to make some fairly significant decisions in your life. That's our focus for today. To discuss this topic, we have Rod Butler, welcome to the show, and also Mike Browning as well. Thank you for being on our panel uh, today. Before we begin our Bible study together, let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to recognize that this is such an important topic to be able to focus on you, Jesus, and to learn from you, and also to allow your example to change our lives Lord, we want to pray that you would send your Holy Spirit into our hearts, not only as a panel, but for every person joining us today is our prayer. We pray all of these things in the wonderful and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. 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 In AD 112, the governor, the Roman governor of Bithynia, a person called Pliny the Younger, wrote a letter to the emperor Trajan and he, he wrote to them about a new, annoying religious sect called the Christians. And in this letter, he described what these Christians would do. They'd get up on a certain morning uh, each week before dawn, and they would go and sing hymns to Christ as, as God. And then what um, Pliny the Younger said is he would, he would arrest them. He would put them on trial and interrogate them. And if they wouldn't give up their faith in Jesus, he would execute them on the spot. You know, I would really love to know what the hymns were Mm. that these early Christians were singing when Pliny's soldiers came to, to arrest them. But the amazing thing is this. We actually have one of the earliest hymns found in the Bible. And it's found in, second, uh, in Philippians, the second chapter, starting at verse 5 and going all the way down to, to verse 11. It's a really amazing uh, hymn. And this hymn is introduced by the admonition, admonition that is this. Let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you. So I guess, Rod, the question is, what is Paul referring to when he says, let
1: this mind be in you? Well, when he says, let this mind be in you, he's saying that he's encouraging us to have the same attitude as Jesus, to love as he loved, to serve as he served, to minister as he ministered. And when you look at that word you, it's actually in the plural. Some translations such as the Revised Standard, uh, they use the word yourselves. So Paul's not only asking us to um, uh, to have the mind in us individually, but also as a community of believers to reflect him.
0: Mm, that's really amazing. Really, very powerful insights mm. into what Paul was saying. But of course, as we think about this attitude, as we think about this mind, what we really need to understand is what is the identity of Christ. And so, what does Paul tell us about who Jesus really is? Mm,
2: no, well. Um he—he's amazing the things that actually Paul writes here and um, quoting from that beautiful prose. Uh, chapter 2, verse 6 of Philippians still, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God or a thing to be grasped at, mm. to be equal with God. So we're seeing, we're, we're getting a, a presentation here of who Jesus really is and was. And that is, he was in the form of God. And actually, I, I do want to just refer to another scripture And I'm going to slip back to John chapter one, the gospel of John. Yes. And verse one, where John writes, in the beginning was the word referring to Jesus. of course, And the word was with God. And then the startling statement, the word was God. And just in case we misunderstood him, he goes on to say in verse three, all things were made through him or by him. Um, And the ultimate characteristic of of God is that he's the creator.
0: Yes. And here and it, is Jesus presented in that manner. And it's a, quite a mathematical description that, that John has there because he mm-hmm. said all things are made through him. Nothing that was made uh, was made without him. Yes. And so he's saying Jesus is not a created being. It's incredible. But coming back to Philippians, it says that Jesus was in the form of God. So, so Rod, what, what is Paul talking about there when he says the form of God?
1: Well, again, if we, if we go back to the Greek, the word form there comes from the Greek word morph. And the, the concise uh, Greek-English dictionary defines that as being nature or the very essence. And so um, it's, he's got the nature of God. It's interesting that the, the International Children's Bible version, I like the way it says. It says that he was like God in everything. Incredible. That's amazing.
0: And the English word metamorphosis comes from that Greek word, which means yep. change nature yep. to change, the, you know, just like a butterfly, a caterpillar goes to a butterfly. But um, Mike, is there any other confirmation of the divinity of Christ in any other more recent Christian writings?
2: Yes. Um, many Christian writers have grappled with um, the nature of Christ and who he is, um, and especially in who he was and is in his incarnation as a human being. Um, Ellen G. White in the book Desire of Ages makes a beautiful, um, a deep insight into his nature. And she says, in him was life, original, unborrowed and underived." Now, we could spend the rest of our program talking about the meaning of that, the depth of that. But what it tells us is that Jesus is the embodiment of life. In him is life.
0: That's very interesting. You know, God is the only person who has the property of having life in and of himself. And that property is called satiety. And what uh, the Desire of Ages is saying here is that Christ has this property. Christ is divine. He is truly God. It's amazing. But what step, and this is, this is really important for our discussion here this afternoon, yeah. uh, Rod, what step does Jesus take? So he was in the form of God, truly God, but then he takes a step. What step
1: is that? Well, if we go to verse seven, it says, made, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Mm. Um, that phrase emptied himself. Sorry, that uh, phrase made of, made of no reputation can also mean he emptied himself. Mm. So here he was God and he empties himself.
0: Mm, that, that's really amazing. And And my question is, uh, Mike, what does it mean for Jesus to empty himself? What, what is Paul referring to here?
2: Well, he, he stepped out of the perfect beauty and sinlessness of heaven and took on himself humanity. And don't forget, he was in a pain-free, uh, stress-free, sin-free, beautiful amazing. environment. It It does sound amazing. It's everything we think paradise to be, which it was. Um, is what he was experiencing. And he stepped into this world where you had the opposite of all of those things. And he did this for the purpose of saving a lost race of people, humanity.
0: That's incredible.
2: And, and it is amazing, really, what, mm. what he did for us.
1: He also emptied himself because it says that uh, he was willing to die. Mm. And um, it's, it's one thing to um, uh, die in your sleep, but to mm. be willing to die is, uh, is pretty important. Yes. It's pretty amazing. And also the very properties. Well. So I was going to say, he also, he gave up his deity and he came to this earth. So beforehand, he knew everything. He could be everywhere at once. He, um, he was all powerful. Well, when he came to the earth, he couldn't be everywhere at once. Mm. He didn't know everything. And he gave up his power to save himself. So the properties that he had as God, he gave up to become a man. That really does blow my mind.
0: Mm, it is. It is really incredible. You know, it, it really makes me want to, to stop and, and contemplate, as we said at the beginning, what Jesus really did for us. Um, but my question, Mike, is, is this. What, what did Jesus become? Where, where did he end up in this journey? OK, so he steps
2: down from the throne of the universe where everything is peace and beauty and joins this earth. And right away, you know, in my mind, I can almost feel the contrast, can't you, Um, in in him doing that. Um, And in Caesarea chapter 2 of Philippians, still in verse 7 and 8, it says, he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men. So he deliberately took on himself humanity in order to, to lead us out of the mess we're in. Mm. And being found, verse 8 says, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Mm. He was the only man, if you like, born with the intention of dying, but not for himself. Yes. Um, God never intended any human being to die, but this one came purposely to die uh, on behalf of all humanity who would accept
0: that wonderful gift. It is incredible, isn't it? Mm. And as I said
1: earlier, he, um, he didn't just come to die. He actually died on the cross. That's crucifixion. Yes. Probably the most agonizing way Marched to die. To death. Yeah.
0: death.
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And he did this willingly. He took the lowest
0: place willingly. Yes. yes. You know, when you think of Jesus' death and sacrifice, it really makes me feel that we should stop for a minute's silence yeah. to, to contemplate it. But in reality, one minute would be too short to really contemplate the, the true sacrifice that Jesus uh, made for us. And, and um, Mike, I just want to ask you, could you give us a kind of analogy? Could you give us a picture of what Jesus really did for us?
2: Yeah, I have seriously thought about this, and I'm not 100% comfortable with the analogy I'm going to give you, only because um, it falls so far short of the reality. But if you can imagine, um, you look down and you see a whole colony of ants Facing disaster and destruction and they're going along um, blithely not realising this and then you chose to become an ant to lead them away from danger Um, something of the equivalent of what God did. Now I realise a human being is of more value than an ant otherwise Mm. the son of God wouldn't have done what he did Mm. but the contrast that he should become one with us Mm. um, with all the limitations um, and disadvantages that that brought Yes. Not just for the 33 years that he was here, but for the rest of eternity. He took on himself humanity for all time. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: He is always going to be the God man with the limitations of humanity.
0: Yes. And and the big question for us today is this. As you reflect, as we reflect on the sacrifice and the the willingness of Jesus, who was in the form of God to come down and, and dwell among us, what impact does it have on our lives? Mike, maybe you could share with us. What you know, impact is that?
2: A scripture comes to mind, um, and it's John chapter 15 and verse 13, as I thought about this, um, which simply said, where Jesus simply says, greater love has no man than this, than a man should lay down his life for his friends. Mm. So deep and moving because that's what he was going to do. Yes. And he was illustrating his love for them by saying that but by the same token he was saying i want you to be like that let this mind be in you
1: exactly as we
2: read in philippians chapter two and i think that's a wonderful challenge for us
1: yeah and that's that's the attitude too that paul brings out that we are to have this self-sacrificing love um, to serve others that's to be our highest goal yes
0: it is amazing it has this huge impact on, on us. And, and that connects us back to where we started, exactly as you said, Mike, um, let this mind be in you. And what we want to do is we want to kind of go back to the, the beginning of, of Jesus' uh, life, the, the journey. And um, I want to take us on a journey to the, the, the side, the shore of Lake Galilee. And my question for both of you would be, have you, either of you ever had the chance to, to go to Lake Galilee? Well, I had the privilege of you.
1: Well, actually, I was there last September. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. It was so, fantastic to be in the, on a boat on the lake to experience what Jesus would have experienced, the sights, the sounds, the smells. Fantastic.
0: Wow, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. That is really, really special. You know, and I'm sure if you've joined us today, if you've had the chance to go to the Bible lands. You will be able to think back and and experience and in your memories, be experiencing what it was like to be beside um, Galilee. But we want to go to a particular story. And uh, that is found in Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter four and verses 18 to 20. So if you come with me to Matthew chapter four, Uh, verses 18 uh, to 20. Just three verses here. Very, very powerful. And it says this, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. And I guess my question is, um, Mike, what do you, do you think? Why do you think that Peter and Andrew, James and John, made a decision to follow Jesus that day?
2: I think these were fishermen. Fishermen love their job. right? Fishing is really exciting stuff. It's real men's work. It is real men's work, and. Um, they'll have loved every minute of it, but they willingly turned away from that when Jesus invited them to come. Um, I'm just going to read you something from John. And this is John chapter 1, Gospel of John this time. And it's verse 35 I'm going to read from um, where John is talking about a similar thing. And um, in fact, I'm going to start a little earlier than that. John chapter 1, verse 29. Um, The next day, John, this is John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, and he was before me. So he's drawn attention to Jesus in the crowd of people hearing John preach, and he's referred to Jesus as being the Lamb of God and greater than he himself, John the Baptist. Mm. Um, And then... Later on, and of course, the disciples whose names you mentioned back there in Matthew chapter 4, Sven, they heard that because they were there. Yes. Because these were very earnest spiritual men who wanted to know more of God and his will in their lives. And they were listening to John the Baptist. And now they hear this um, John directing them to this, this man, Jesus of Nazareth. Mm. Um, and so now I'm in John 1.35. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. Now he says it again in Mm. their hearing. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. And Mm. that's where we came into the picture. There was something about being in the presence of Jesus that was tremendously powerful. I mean, people came to him and fell at his feet to worship him. When was the last time you did that to somebody whom you were impressed with, Mm. um, Mm. whom you respected? You never
0: you, you don't, don't do it.
2: it. You don't fall at their feet. No. no, but people did to Jesus. So there was something mm. there and they wanted to know.
1: Yes. And we also, Mike, have in the, uh, the account um, in, in Luke 5, it's the same account, but that, they add more detail. Um, in that account, we basically have Jesus had gone down to the lake's edge and he'd actually told them to uh, go cast their nets uh, deeper out. And they'd been fishing all night and caught nothing. Mm. And when they did cast their nets, uh, the, the catch was so great, they had to call for help. And there was that many fish that nearly sunk two fishing boats. And uh, when they came back, Peter, of course, was convicted that he was a sinful man. And essentially, from that point, he calls, calls them to be, um, uh, come follow me, and they respond. And the point I like about that is that here they are looking at probably the biggest material gain they've ever got that fish would have been worth a lot of money. Mm. And they're walking away from this massive amount of money to follow Jesus. Who can offer them no money?
0: Mm. It's absolutely incredible. You know, it's no wonder that people loved Jesus because he saw their potential. Mm. He saw the, the possibilities in their lives because of his transforming power. It's really, really amazing. You know, when Jesus looked at Peter, Andrew, James and John, he did not just see fishermen, he saw fishes of men, and this is, they, they sensed
1: this, this incredible power to yeah. transforming powers as, as well. Sven, can I just read you a quote? It's from a Christian author um, from a book called "Education." And it says, "In every human being he discerned, that's Jesus, infinite possibilities. He saw men as they might be, transfigured by His grace, looking upon them with hope. He inspired hope, meeting them with confidence, he inspired trust. So there was something the way he looked at people that drew them to him. Yes,
0: absolutely incredible. And I guess the, the question is this, Mike. Do you mm. think that Peter and Andrew, James and John, actually knew what they were getting themselves into?
2: Who knows? You know, it pays to be an adventurer, doesn't it, when you <laughs> accept God's call. No, of course they had no idea. But they, didn't, they weren't worried about that, it seems. They just, he called, they wanted to follow Mm. They knew that this was God's call and, and he was more important than anything else to them.
0: And the good news is, or the amazing news is this, this Mike, that they were not the only ones. No. And, and um, Rod, who else was transformed by the loving power of Jesus?
1: Well, here's, a, here's a, one completely different to fisherman. Okay. Turn to Matthew 9 and verse 9. That's Matthew 9, verse 9. And it says, and as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. Now this is quite amazing because this was a a tax collector. Now, the Jews hated the Romans. And if you were a Jew collecting, uh, collecting taxes for the Romans, they hated you even more. So this was a despised man. So why did they do it? Well, because there was lots of money involved. Mm. Bags of money. So this was a very wealthy man. But this man would have heard about Jesus because Jesus gets his disciples around midway through his three and a half years ministry. He would have heard about Jesus, just like it says in Luke 19 that Zacchaeus, who was also a tax collector, he sought to see Jesus. So Matthew would have heard about him. And in hearing about him, there would have been something in Matthew's life, that emptiness. He had all the riches you could want, but he had an empty feeling. He wanted something more and he thought Jesus would have had it. And he would have been shocked when Jesus walks past his office and says, come follow me. Yes. And he does. And he follows him. It's amazing. Mm. You know, the
0: transforming love and power of Jesus. I love to watch it at work. It's absolutely amazing. And now we're going to focus on one of the toughest nuts to crack uh, in the New Testament, uh, turn with me, uh, Mike. Well, who is this person? This this <laughs> toughest nut in, all in the of, whole of um, the New Testament.
2: Well, Saul of Tarsus. You know, he is he is a man who became the greatest missionary.
0: Mm, he did
2: um, probably in all history, um, and he went throughout the known world at that time preaching Christ. Um, but he didn't start off as a good man. I mean, he yes, he was zealous for God. In fact, he tells us in Galatians chapter one verse fourteen. Talking about his past experience before he became a Christian, he says, I advanced in Judaism, Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers, as opposed to this book. So mm. it was an enthusiasm, a drive, but, um, but it was misguided. Mm. Well, God had other plans for him.
0: And that's the amazing mm. thing, Mike, which is really coming through here, that people had one set of plans, their own plans for their lives but Jesus had something else in That's mind right. for them. Mm. And, and uh, Rod, what was Jesus' plans for, for Saul's at that time's life? What, did he, what was his plans for him?
1: Well, he did say that he was going to be his, uh, his evangelist to the Gentiles, but also um, he would have suffering. And it's interesting when you look at Second uh, Corinthians 11 and verse, verses 24 to 27, you get a bit of a CV of his ministry. Um, did Paul have suffering? Well, listen to this. It says that he was uh, five times he had 40 lashes, three times uh, he was beaten with rods, three times he was shipwrecked, Once he was stoned, he, was, he went hungry, he went thirsty, he was weary, he was cold and naked. This doesn't sound like a very appealing job to, to do, but uh, that's what he did. And he was totally dedicated to Christ.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. And Mike, tell us, what was Paul willing to sacrifice Uh, to follow Jesus and to share his love.
2: Okay. Uh, He he was prepared to basically give up everything that he had to give up. I notice in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7 and 8, there's a very interesting commentary there. It's interesting how Philippians is dealing with some of the issues that we're dealing with Mm. today. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7 and 8. And here Paul writes about those losses. Mm. And he says, but what things were gained to me, these I counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss, for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. He said, "I, um, I that, they're nothing,
1: mm. can no, I,
2: there's can no value." Can
1: I also add to that, Mike? Mm. If you go to Second Corinthians four and verse seventeen, he this is after all that he went through. He <laughs> says, "For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, you know, beaten, mm. stoned, light affliction." Yeah,
2: it doesn't sound too light, does, does
1: it? Yes. Mm -hmm. But that's the way he viewed it. I'll do anything for Christ. Yes.
2: He goes on to say in verse 8 there of Philippians 3, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish Mm -hmm. that I might win Christ. It's a matter of getting our Mm -hmm. values right. He had eternal values. His focus was on God. And, uh, and Jesus, his saviour, and that was more important to him than anything else.
0: Yeah, You know, Paul's ministry in life is just, is just so impressive. His, his ministry CV, his journey as a missionary and, a, and an author and church planter as well. But the reality is this, that not all of us can actually kind of reach that kind of level. You know, mm-hmm. some of us actually stumble along the, the way. And, and we, we don't always do it as, as well as we wish we could. Mm. Is there any hope for us? Is there any, anything which may give us encouragement?
2: Look, Paul, Paul um, of all people, this greatest of missionaries had a very unfortunate start. Mm. Persecuted Christians, um, saw them killed and was glad to do it and see it. Um, so, yes, he had plenty of things he stumbled over, but he moved on. And even though he from time to time acknowledged that he was the greatest of all sinners, I want you to read to read for you. Philippians 3, verse 13. Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, he said. What one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward calling in Christ. So in other words, he said, you've got to put those things behind you. You've asked forgiveness. Yes, you blundered. Mm -hmm. um, But you've asked forgiveness move on. Yes. Focus now on the goal that God has set before you. That's how I see him. Is there
1: anybody else who can inspire us
0: and encourage us in the Bible?
1: Well, we have the example of Peter. Mm. Peter denied Christ three times after bragging that he would never deny him. And Christ um, went out of his way to reimpose his ministry, reassert his ministry by saying, feed my lambs three times. Mm. So that gives us hope that we can stumble big time, but Jesus doesn't write us off. Mm. He leads us back. He wants to, uh, to include us in his ministry. He never yes. gives up on us.
0: Yeah. You know, it's absolutely incredible what, what these uh, people were willing to, to do. And I want to encourage you to consider all of these amazing people, the Christians living in Bithynia who met in the mornings to sing praises to Jesus as God before being executed by Pliny the Younger. Peter and John, who gave up their fishing careers to become the first disciples. Paul, who gave up his stellar career as a defender of the Jewish faith to become the world's greatest missionary and church planter. All of these people were willing to sacrifice their wealth, their reputation, their lives for Jesus and sharing his love. What about you? We're glad you joined us today on Let God Speak. If you've enjoyed this program, you can watch any of our past programs on our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can also download teachers' resources there if you're leading your own Bible study group. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email at lgs3abnaustralia.org.au. We look forward to you joining us next time. Let His Mind Be in You.